And I'm his dad, Jeff Burnham. And we're coming to you from Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. To talk to you about a little movie from 1984 called... Gremlins. And why are we talking about Gremlins, Alistair? Because it's Gremlins Christmas special. That's right, this should be coming out, boy, I guess uh, just a couple days before... Christmas, so you should be hearing this if you're listening to it when it comes out, right around Christmas time. And so we wanted to talk about a Christmas monster movie, and what Christmas monster movie is more iconic than Gremlins? A movie that I grew up on because, of course, it came out the year that I was born. Did you know that? No. Yes, sir. 1984, that's when I was born. Same year Gremlins came out. Gremlins and I are the same age. Yep. Just right now. Yeah. Just like Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters was also 1984. Other movies like Gremlins and Ghostbusters can be the same age right now. Yeah, a lot of movies came out in 1984. Absolutely. Not a ton are springing to mind at the moment other than those two, but I'm sure a lot came out that year. But I was just born, so it's not like I remember. You were just born. I've studied movies a lot, but, you know, I don't know every movie that came out every year. No, because you were a baby. Exactly. So Gremlins is a movie that is directed by Joe Dante, who got to start working for Roger Corman, who I know we've talked about on the podcast. It's got a script by Chris Columbus. And do you remember what else Chris Columbus did? He directed another Christmas movie we've watched this year. Home Alone? Home Alone, absolutely. And he directed the first two movies in what series? Home Alone? Okay, yeah, fair enough. He directed both of the first two Home Alone movies, yes. Uh, But another series. There's another series. A series that you've been watching and reading with your mom. Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter. Absolutely. Gremlins was also produced by Steven Spielberg for his uh, studio Amblin and was also produced by Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy, who I've actually met. I've met two of the producers of Gremlins before. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. And the cast is fantastic. Holy cow, this has a great cast, doesn't it? Yep. We're talking Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Judge Reinhold, Hoyt Axton, a young, young Corey Feldman, and most importantly, Roger Corman character actor. Do you remember his name? Plays Mr. Futterman. Dick? Miller. Miller. Yeah, Dick Miller, who starred in one of my favorite movies of all time, A Bucket of Blood. If you haven't seen Bucket of Blood, check that 
out. That's fantastic. It's my favorite Dick Miller movie. My favorite Roger Corman movie. I adore that little movie. But that's a lot of talk about who made the movie, who is in it. Let's talk about the movie itself. Alistair, do you want to get us started by explaining Gremlins? Yep. Gremlins, it has um, monster things that are called mogwais. The three rules for mogwais is never feed it after midnight. Never put water in it, on it. And never put it in bright light. Yeah, those are the rules, absolutely. And what happens, though, when those rules are broken? The only, only rule that you should follow, always, if you put water on it, there will be gremlins in the town. But when you put water on it, those things that come out first, are those gremlins? No. What do they look like? Mogwais. Mm-hmm. They look like mogwais when they come out. But what does a mogwai look like? Kind of like a raccoon and a horse. <laughs> like a raccoon and a horse? I mean, kind of looks like a raccoon. Okay, so it looks like a raccoon. And so when the mogwai gets wet, other mogwai-looking creatures come out of it. Yeah. They look the same, but in Gremlins, there's one that has a mohawk. And that is the leader of the Gremlins. And how it makes Gremlins if you put water on it. In the movie, the kid knocks over paintbrushes with water. Mm -hmm. That's Corey Feldman's character, which I think his name is Pete. How it makes Gremlins is you put water on it, it gets hot in little balls of hair. Balls of hair come out and they get bigger and bigger and they turn into other mogwais. Then they go into a cocoon that opens. Mm -hmm. It's the pupil stage, we're told. Yeah, that's what the science teacher called it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after they crack, um, they turn into gremlins. And when the one in the science teacher's lab went into one of them, his hand got aided because of the gremlin ate his hand. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty spooky part, isn't it? Yeah. Where the science teacher is the first one to encounter a gremlin. Yep. Yeah. How does he make out? Not good. Not good, no. No, he doesn't do okay. And that thing on his back looks like a knife to me. What it was He that... gets stabbed with a... The blood testing? Uh, a syringe. A syringe. But how he dies is the gremlin. Uh-huh. Yeah, the gremlin eats his hand, or at least bites his hand. And does we don't know what to him because we don't see it. Yeah, because he's under the shelf. Yeah, like under a desk or something. He's under a desk. So we don't see it and we see his mouth and like, what happened? Nobody knows. Yeah, we don't see the gremlins until a little bit later. Yeah. 
But we actually don't see the gremlins until quite a good ways into the movie now that I think about it. It's a good 50, 55 minutes before we even see one of the titular gremlins. Yeah, the first time we see the gremlin is when he comes out of the little shelf. Yeah, he, he like pops out of a cabinet. Yeah, that's when we see the gremlin. Freaked me out a little bit. Yeah, freaked you out? Why does it freak you out? Because gremlins freak me out. Yeah, they're pretty freaky looking. Yeah. They're little creepy puppet guys. Yeah. How they make them is like little puppets. Mm-hmm, little puppets. Some of them are hand puppets. Some of them are kind of marionette things. Others are probably more animatronic. And sometimes they're even animated, like when their shadows are coming at the movie screen. Those are animated. So they create the gremlins using a lot of different techniques. Did you know in the movie we don't see lots of wobber gremlins? Oh, like the ones with the ski masks in the yeah. guns? Yeah, there's really the one robber gremlin. We see more in the movie theater. Yeah, it's pretty. That's pretty funny. That's a good yeah. observation because he is very stereotypically a robber wearing a ski mask yeah. and have, and holding a gun. And you pointed out that there was one wearing a popcorn box. Yeah. I didn't see that one. <laughs> yeah, he was wearing a popcorn box but as a hat he... with his ears sticking out of the sides of the popcorn box. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And did you know the? The one, did you see the one with the popcorn ears? Yeah, he had popcorn bags on his ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they were flowy popcorn. They sure were. But you I feel like we've missed it. some stuff. We've missed some stuff, yeah. right? Um, because... Oh, I just pointed out something in my brain. Okay. At the party in the movie with the gremlins, the other gremlin shoots the other gremlin in the face. Yeah, he does. He's cheating at cards so he gets shot like in an old Western movie. Yeah. Yeah. But we're missing some stuff. We're missing a lot of stuff, as a matter of fact. Because there's one name you haven't even mentioned. Or two major mm -hmm. names you haven't even mentioned. Oh. Can you think of what those names are? Mm, no. Billy and Gizmo. Those seem kind of important to tell our audience about, huh? Yep. Who are Billy and Gizmo? They are friends in the movie. Yeah, but who are they and what do they have to do with this whole gremlin scenario? Um, Gizmo doesn't do lots of things in the movie. But one thing he does do in the movie is make Stripe dead because of the light. And drives in a <laughs> tiny car. So we've been recording for just a handful of minutes, and already you've talked about the ending. Yes. Because I, I was pointing out something that he really <laughs> does, because he doesn't do much in the movie. Yeah, he hangs around a lot. Billy's the one who does most of the stuff. Yeah. But Gizmo's his mogwai pet. So he can't do anything. He can't do much. Well, he can do a lot. He just doesn't, really. He kind of hangs around in backpacks and stuff. Yeah. Well, then the gremlins beat him up, too. Yeah. Because he's tiny. Yeah. I mean, the gremlins can take down a human being. Yeah. So, you they know, do. this little mogwai, you know, that's pretty easy. Yeah, there's a and bunch of them. Well, not at they... first. At first, there's just, yeah. what, there's five that pop out of Gizmo. Yeah. And then there's the other one that they make come out of uh, one of those five that the science teacher has. 
But then those six extra mogwai eat something. But it's not so much what they eat, it's when they eat. And they also eat the clock cord. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. They bite through the cord of Billy's clock so that when they ask him for food, when they when they act like they're hungry, he thinks it's what time? Doesn't think it's midnight. Yeah, he thinks it's before midnight, but it's really? Midnight. Yeah, it's after midnight, and what was that rule again? Never feed it after midnight. Never, no, because then when the Mogwai eat after midnight, they go into this pupil stage and they become gremlins. And so the gremlins, right, they're six at first, and then Billy's mom kills most of them. Yeah, like she blends one in the blender. Billy's mom is awesome. See, she kills most of them, um, but she didn't get killed in the movie. Billy's mom is perhaps the most competent character in the movie. (laughs) She's really awesome. I wish she'd been in the whole movie. She gets hurt, so she has to go to the doctor and stuff. But I wish she had been running around with Billy the whole time, because she took out a bunch of those gremlins by herself. Yeah, and there's a bunch more. See, if those all those gremlins attacked her, she would get killed. So there were five at his place, including Stripe. He kills the one by knocking it into the fire. Stripe gets away, but the other three, his mom kills. Yeah. That's that's over half. Yeah, but there's a bunch more. And well, I... how do we get a bunch more, though? Nobody knows. We do know. We see Stripe do it. Yeah. How does Stripe do it? Get in the water. Yeah, where does he go to jump in the pool? In the YMCA. Uh-huh. What's significant about that to you, though? Because I go to the YMCA in real life. Yeah, you go there for what? Swimming lessons. Yeah, you go there for swimming lessons. So when you're at the swimming lessons, I have a question for you. When you're doing these swimming lessons, how many times have you seen a gremlin run and jump into the pool? No. (laughs) Just every time you climb in, right? No. Um, I can tell you something <laughs> else. Okay, tell it's me. Like, it's like Stripe um, is swimming lessons. Yeah, he, he does like a cannonball and he like sinks to the bottom. Yeah. Because of course water creates more. Yeah. But if the water touches a mogwai, it creates more mogwai. If a water touches a gremlin, it creates more gremlins. So it's the same thing, but... If a gremlin goes in water, it creates more gremlins. If a mogwai gets in water, it creates more mogwais to create more gremlins. If they eat after midnight. Yeah. Because theoretically, if Gizmo wasn't such a nice little dude and ate after midnight, he would also turn into a gremlin. I think that's what we're made to understand. Yeah. But he's a sweet little mogwai. The other ones, not so nice. Nope. Remember when Stripe spits at him? Doesn't spit on him, he spits at the trumpet. And Stripe is playing Donkey Kong. Yeah, he's playing a little Donkey Kong arcade game. Yeah. Which I wish we had that little thing. That's Those are sweet. And I mentioned something that's really funny to me. When the gremlin swings around on the air thing up on the top. The ceiling fan. Yeah, the ceiling fan. <laughs> 
and the gold pictures, gremlins. She takes pictures of them. Yeah, and knocks them out. And also, one. But why does that knock them out? Because one of the wolves never put it in bright light. Yeah, so the camera flashes at them, and that knocks them out. Um, Or at least knocks them down. It startles them. Yeah. That girl you're talking about is Kate, who is Billy's love interest, and she's played by Phoebe Cates. Also one that might be funny to you, it's funny to me, where the the woman is drinking soda, it's a beer soda. I don't know which one you're talking about, so I can't really say yet. Um, he's drinking, and he falls over. Oh, he's so drinking, he's, I think, beer yeah. there. Yeah. And he, like, is drinking beer, and he falls over. It's so crazy. This party is so funny. Okay, so that's a good thing to mention, and I would like to talk about that a little bit more, because... Here we are talking about a monster movie, and we talked about how it's spooky when the science teacher gets attacked, and it's spooky when the mom gets attacked. But There's also, a lot of spookiness, but also... There's a little bit of silliness. A little bit? A lot. A lot. This is a really, really funny monster movie. Yeah. Um, usually in the monster movies, the monsters are not silly. Yeah, usually they're just monstrous. They're meant to be spooky if you're watching a spooky one. But this one really, really nicely balances the spooky and the silly. Yeah. It's a, it's a really nice balance. Yeah. Because it's funny at first, then we get some spookiness in the middle, and then it becomes silly. funny and spooky at the same time throughout the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, so like, I, I like when like the, the robber, like woman pops up from nowhere. Yeah, he's one of my favorites, actually, because Phoebe Kate's character, Kate, works at a bar where the gremlins invade and they're having what Al described as a crazy party, right? Yeah. So as she's trying to leave, she's snapping the pictures and the flashes from the camera are scaring them off. This gremlin pops up who's got a ski mask on and a gun and he's going to shoot her in the head, dude. But, but like, before she leaves, see, like, the scene... Knock it backwards? She drops to the ground, and he shoots at her. And that shot misses. And then Billy pulls up in his car, and the headlights shine in the window, and that scares that gremlin off. That's what happens. Okay, yes. Now we get it. Yeah, but there's a lot of silly stuff happening in that bar. Yeah. You talked about they're playing cards. One of the gremlins slips a card into his hand. And Stripe pulls out a gun and shoots him like in an old western. There are ones who are sitting at the bar drinking and smoking and falling over and being really goofy. And I like when the one is leading backwards and not letting her smoke. Not lighting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Kate tries to light his cigarette and the fire is bright. And that's where she realizes that bright light scares them. Which also doesn't make a lot of sense because there was one gremlin who was smoking three lit cigarettes, so I'm not sure how he got those lit. And I like when they're singing when when the old lady. Yeah, when the um, what's her name, uh, Mrs. Deagle. Yeah. When Mrs. Deagle opens her door to yell at the Christmas carolers, and she finds gremlins singing her a Christmas carol, or is it a Christmas carol? What song are they singing? 
I think Jingle Bells. No, it's the Gremlins theme song. What's theme song? It's the main song of the movie. Remember the one that you were singing last night? It doesn't have words. It's just notes. Do you remember how the song goes? Um, I don't remember how they sing it. Do you remember the tune? Um, they like open their mouths, but you don't hear kind of like something gremlins talk. Yeah, they're singing it in gremlin voices. Do you want to try it together? Yeah. Na 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 You've got Howie Mandel provides some of the voices, including Gizmos. Howie Mandel, oh, Howie Mandel was really, really famous to kids when I was a kid. He did this show called Bobby's World, and he was a stand-up comedian. Later, he would go on to host Let's Make a Deal. Uh, but generally, he's a really funny guy, and he did those voices for Gizmo. But amongst the other voice actors, yeah. we had Michael Winslow from the Police Academy movies, yeah. who's the guy who makes all the funny noises. You haven't seen those movies, but some of our listeners probably have. And then we have Frank Welker. Frank Welker voices a certain cartoon dog. Can you take a guess who that is? Famous cartoon dog. We talked about it on the last episode on the Monster Stampede. Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo, that's right. Frank Welker does Scooby-Doo's voice now. Frank Welker does a lot, a lot of voice work, a lot of animal voice work, a lot of animal sounds. Frank Welker does that. He also has voiced the Hulk a few times. Daddy, how yeah. can we sing this song? What song? From Scooby-Doo. Do you want to sing the Scooby-Doo song? Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? <laughs> awesome. That was really good. But I feel somehow we're getting off track. Hmm. Me too. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, the gremlin voices are awesome. Let me hear your gremlin voice. Gizmo. I like it. Let me hear your gizmo voice. Hi, Mimi. Oh, that's a good one. That was a really good one. So, so what else happens with the gremlins that's funny? Because they do... Well, okay, the gremlins actually do a lot of stuff that's spooky that actually hurts people. They hurt a lot of people. But their attacks on people and their attacks on the town actually include a lot of really funny, goofy stuff, too. And they do funny stuff to each other at the bar. Like one shoots the other in the head. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out because the gremlins, they don't care necessarily who they hurt or have some sort of malicious intent. They, they just think it's funny to, like, they cause just, chaos. They, they just think it's funny to hurt other gremlins. They don't care what effort they do to other gremlins. Yeah, they'll hurt each other. They'll hurt people. They'll hurt animals. They don't care. Just ah. as long as they're causing chaos, wreaking havoc. Yep. It's a so funny movie. It really is. 
Maybe we could talk about what the Gremlins did spooky, since we talked about the stuff that they did silly. Yeah, that is a good thing to talk about. Let's talk about some spookiness. Why don't you lead the way? This time I didn't see, but I remember um, when the Gremlin suits Billy at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's the arrow. But At the end of the movie, when things are still kind of silly, we end up with just Stripe left. Yep. It's just Stripe. Because they kill them, but... um. How do they kill the rest of them? Because they blow up the building. And they, yeah, they were watching a movie. What movie were they watching? Snow White. Snow White, yeah. <laughs> and they loved it. Yeah, exactly. But the Gremlins was really silly. I don't. They don't really speak words, but... Um, they do sometimes, though. Some of them yeah. talk. And even Stripe, like we talked about, he talks. He says Gizmo. He says Billy. He says Yum. He even says, I totally forgot this, until you mentioned him shooting Billy. When he sees that case full of guns. He says. Guns. He also says bye-bye. He might, yeah. Yeah. I heard him say that when he was shooting Billy with the bow and arrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that end, man, the climax, where it's just them tracking down Stripe, because, of course, Stripe created all the gremlins that take over the town. Yeah. Billy and Kate destroy those gremlins, and then Stripe runs into a candy store slash a Montgomery ward. And he tries to make more gremlins, but he tries to get Gizmo. Yeah, he tries to kill Billy, he tries to kill Gizmo. But yeah, that's that's a spooky scene, too. Like, it's got funny stuff in it. But like you said, it's also spooky, too, because he's really trying to kill Billy. Yeah. He shoots Billy with a crossbow in the arm, throws a saw blade at Billy's head, tries to kill him with a chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. And then gets a gun and tries to shoot him with a gun. Yeah. Dude, Stripe is relentless. And... Um, when he also tries to soup Gizmo, and he also says, Gizmo. He does say Gizmo, yeah. And before he suits him, like, he makes the light. Um, yeah, then Gizmo then it, kills him. Yeah, using yeah. sunlight. Because, of course, Mogwai and Gremlins don't like bright light, but also sunlight will kill them. That's one of the rules. Yeah. Some of the rules don't make a lot of sense when you really think about it. Um, water, most of the world is water. Uh, the snow also doesn't seem to affect them, as Mommy was pointing out. Also, don't feed them after midnight doesn't make a heck of a lot of sense, because technically it's always after midnight. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how any of that works, but the important thing is that they give us these rules, simple rules, don't get them wet, sunlight will kill them, and we see in the end, that pays off. Um, also, it's mostly... Like, so, the the rules don't really make sense. Oh, because, like, there's a lot of light in the world, too? Yeah. yeah. Well, so, and then moonlight is actually light from the sun bouncing off the moon. So, can they not go out in moonlight? They can, but... I don't know. I don't know. Good point, though. That's a good point. Um, the rules don't really make sense. They work well enough. Yeah. They work well enough because if you just go, okay, here are these three simple rules. Light, water, food. Got it. 
Like, it's enough for the movie to make sense. And the movie isn't a terribly serious movie either. We don't have to believe it 100%. We have to believe it enough to be able to have fun watching gremlins do goofy things. And I also mentioned how Gizmo knows how to kill Stripe is because he sees the light. And Yeah, yeah. He, he says at first, light bright. Not bright light. He says light bright. Light bright. So, do you have other thoughts on Gremlins before we move on to Beastly Best? I also have more. Okay, let's hear it. They use the the TV cord as a jungle gym. The antenna. Right, right. It's not a cord, it's an antenna. Yeah, we don't have antennas like that anymore. But when I was a kid, we used to have an antenna on top of the house. And yeah, they're playing on the antenna at the Futterman's like a jungle gym. And, of course, Dick Miller plays Murray Futterman. He goes up on the roof to check. And then the gremlins chase him down in what? A bulldozer. Yeah. And we think they're dead because, like, they're screaming or whatever. But then they show up in the sequel, right? They're in Gremlins 2. And I was commenting that it, it was interesting that, you know, the Futtermans get apparently killed but then show back up in the sequel. Except for the fact we noticed this last night. And I've seen this movie I don't know how many times. But if you listen really closely, as I think Billy's mom is talking, the news in the background says that they spoke with the Futtermans, or at least one of the Futtermans, in the hospital. So it's even in the first one that they survived. It's not something they just shoehorned into the second to get Dick Miller in, which I'm okay with, frankly, even if they did that. But it is actually in the first one, if you listen really carefully there in the end scene, right before Gizmo gets taken away by the original owner. If you listen really carefully, they talk about how the Futtermans lived. Yeah. I didn't really hear that. Yeah, I had to go back because I heard it and I was like, did I hear what I think I heard? And we went back and listened and Mommy heard it too. So, yeah, it's there. We're going on to Beastly Best. So what do you think is the best, coolest, most awesome monster moment in the movie? I like when they're also... Serious and funny, where the other gremlin shoots the other gremlin in the face. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good moment. I think it's worth mentioning, too, that this movie is rated PG. We've been talking a lot about the violence and stuff, but the movie is rated PG. And there is some usage of alcohol and cigarettes by characters as well as gremlins. The movie definitely doesn't come out in support of these things. But the most important thing to remember is even though it has guns and booze and cigarettes and monsters and some spookiness and stuff like that, it is rated PG, meaning parental guidance. So watch it with your kid, you know. If you're worried about your kid being spooked by this movie or whatever, definitely watch it with them. And would you recommend it to kids, though? Would you recommend it to our listeners? One thing I want to point out for that is if you're afraid of your kids watching it, then just watch it by yourself. See, uh, that's a good recommendation. Yeah, if you're worried about your kids not being okay with the movie, definitely give it a look beforehand. That's always my recommendation. I don't let Al watch anything unless I have seen it or know it to be a family-friendly movie. Like Hotel Transylvania, that's okay for Al to watch even if I haven't seen it, right? That kind of thing. But with Gremlins, yeah, I got to watch it first, right? And I did. I grew up watching it, so I, I know it's fine. If you watch movies with your kids, monster movies, talk about it with your kids. 
we view every movie watching situation as a teachable experience. We use it with Alistair to teach him about things. And Al learns a lot, right? I mean, as you guys are hearing. So you would recommend this movie, though? Yep. My beastly best would have to be the scene that I think always stuck out with me. It's the scene that I'm always waiting for every time I watch it. It's a little thing, but it does stand out to me as the thing that I am always waiting for, always excited to see. And that's when Mrs. Deagle opens the door to see the gremlins singing the Christmas carol outside. She doesn't think there's gremlins in the town. Yeah, she doesn't know about it. But there's something so funny to me about the revelation of the gremlins singing the Christmas carol. Because we've seen them doing a lot of really mean and nasty stuff to people throughout the earlier parts of the movie. But nothing so outright goofy is that. I think that's the first time we see them doing something really, really, really silly. It's spooky, but it's also goofy, and it obviously took them a lot of time to prepare because they had to orchestrate getting their costumes together, getting their books together, they have to sing the song together. It required a lot of preparation for what is ultimately just scaring this old lady. And the one thing that the boy could get killed at... um, Billy. No, not the Billy. His kid that knocked over the paintbrushes. Oh, uh, Corey Feldman's character, yeah. when he's leaning out his window and the gremlins yeah. are hanging from his Christmas lights. And uh, um, only one is, and he could get killed when he cuts the cord. Oh, yeah, he uses scissors to cut the the strand of Christmas lights, which, you're right, could electrocute you. Yeah, never use scissors on cords. Never, 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 never. Nope. Even when there is not... Even but, when there's a gremlin on it, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, like... How often have gremlins been hanging from our Christmas lights? Invisible? They're invisible, yeah. We should do that. Oh, that's a good idea. When we're done recording this, let's go take our little gremlins figures and hang them from the Christmas lights. Yeah. That'll freak mommy out, huh? Yeah, and we can put them and mommy will be scared. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Let's totally do it. But with that in mind, let's move on. Let's talk about the spookiest moments in the movie in a little segment we like to call... Get Spooked. (laughs) That's what I do. I like that. So what do you think is the spookiest moment in the movie? I already talked about it when um, Stripe suits Billy in the arm with the bow and arrow. Yeah, when he shoots him with the crossbow. Because it looks like Billy's going to get killed there in the end. He does almost die. It's pretty hardcore. Yep. They get silly at first, then spooky in the middle, then silly again. Then it gets spooky at the end. Yeah, it's a it's a really perfect tone. To be able yeah. to balance spooky and silly that well shows how talented Joe Dante is as a director. And this is, you know, obviously Chris Columbus wrote the script, so you you give credit there too. But Joe Dante wrangling all of this together nails the tone perfectly. We haven't seen a movie like this. Like this in what sense? When it starts as silly, then goes to spooky in the middle of a silly sandwich. (laughs) 
<laughs> silly sandwich. Yeah, it's a silly sandwich kind of movie. It's silly with spooky in the middle and gets silly again. Yeah. Yeah. So- with a little bit of a spooky spread on top at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's more like a double decker sandwich because it's got silly, spooky, silly, spooky, and then it ends a little bit silly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's a double decker <laughs> scary sandwich. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say if we have seen one like that, maybe, maybe Tremors? Tremors? Mm, No. It's not as silly, certainly, but it is a funny movie, too. It's definitely nowhere near as silly as Gremlins, but it's very similar kind of structurally in that way. Yeah. Gremlins, I think, is the only... What is this a double deco scary sandwich? <laughs> yeah, I'm not thinking of anything that's quite the same tonally. No. Unless it's a movie that purposely tried to copy Gremlins. So I think that about does it for Get Spooked, which brings us to a section of the podcast that we don't always include, but that's Monstrous Minutia where we talk about the weird little things in the movie. And there's a ton of weird little things throughout Gremlins. And honestly, we could talk for another hour or more just about all the weird little things in the movie. All of the characters from other companies that you see popping up around there, all the Disney characters, Looney Tunes, you've got an E.T. doll in there, you've got all these weird little things. So rather than talking about monstrous minutiae in depth, I guess I kind of more wanted to challenge you, our listeners, to go back and watch the movie and just look around. You know, just pay attention to everything in the background. There's so much weird and interesting stuff. Some of my favorite stuff throughout the movie, though, and this is something that I will talk about in slightly more detail, is the constant references and inclusion of images and clips from other movies throughout. You know, we get posters for Road Warrior. There's a poster for Twilight Zone rolled up uh, laying against the wall in the back of Billy's room, which, of course, Joe Dante and Spielberg worked on. There's also clips from Body Snatchers. Then I also pointed out something else. Now we've seen three of the same movies of the end. Right. We've seen three movies in the past week or so. Three different movies that show the ending of It's a Wonderful Life in the movie which, if I remember correctly, are obviously Gremlins, and then Home Alone. Yes, I was just going to say that. Scrooged, I believe. Yeah, so... If it wasn't Scrooged, it was another Christmas movie. But yeah, we've seen three movies in the past week that show the ending of It's a Wonderful Life, and we have yet to get to It's a Wonderful Life this season. Yep. But that's really it, Al, for Monstrous Minutia. Again, listeners, go check it out for yourself. Just keep an eye open. There's a lot of weird and wacky stuff in the background floating around the world of gremlins that you'll get a kick out of if you really pay attention. So, Al, before we dive into our pretty big but final announcements, do you have anything else that you want to add about gremlins? Um, no. No? Good movie? Yep. I think so. I think it's mandatory Christmas viewing. Me too. Before we get wrapping up, I wanted to give a shout out to Jen Ginsberg, who is a patron of Word Salad Productions on Patreon, helping us out big time. Um, If you want to become a patron yourself and have access to 
exclusive episodes, and also potentially win cool stuff, go to patreon.com slash wordsalad. I mean, every little bit helps, and Jen is helping us out big time. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, Jen. If you want to talk to us, and we would love to hear from you, tweet at us at cadaver underscore cast. Any questions, comments, anything you have to say, let us know. Cadaver underscore cast on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook at cadavercast, one word, or shoot us an email at cadavercast at gmail.com. And again, that's one word, cadavercast at gmail.com. That's right. Speaking of which, we also wanted to give a quick shout out to Jennifer Hicks, a regular listener of ours in Australia, I believe, who is listening to our podcast, taking a nice walk in some beautiful weather. Jennifer, we are seriously jealous. Here, we aren't even allowed to go outside today because it is, what, negative 30 degree wind chill or some craziness like that? Ugh, it's bananas cold here. Yep. So crazy. So, Jennifer, thanks for reaching out to us. And with that, I think it's time to sign out, Al. Yep. You've been listening to Cadavercast. My name's Al Bottom. And I'm his dad, Jeff Burnham, and we want to say to you here as we wrap up our Christmas episode, Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays to you, too. Stay safe. Stay warm. We love you. Al, I've got a question for you. Yeah? Why should our listeners head over to patreon.com slash wordsalad? To win cool prizes. And? Hear exclusive content? Our first bit of exclusive content on Patreon is an international crossover episode between quote-unquote guilty, cadavercast, and the countdown. We think you're going to love it. But what else happens at patreon.com slash wordsalad? What happens if people become patrons? How does that help us? It helps us keep this podcast going because it costs money and helps me go to college. <laughs> yeah, it, it helps us keep the podcast going because, yeah, it does cost real-life money to run a podcast. And, as always, we at Cadavercast pledge that any money we pull in over basic upkeep goes towards Al's college fund. So if you want to help Al go to college, if you think he's a smart little dude who gives you plenty of entertainment and that's worth a few bucks to help the kid go to college, well, you know what? Become a patron over at patreon.com slash wordsalad. Help us out and get some exclusive content for yourself and maybe win some cool prizes. That's what patreon.com is about. Exactly. Patreon.com is... Slash wordsalad. Slash wordsalad. You have the chance to win cool prizes and help me go to college. Absolutely. We really appreciate it, don't we, Alistair? Thank you very much.